welcome to Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. I am Amy Gray Cunningham, your host, and I am here today with Kara Gallagher. She is a writer and a healer, and we are going to talk with her today about her journey through growing up in the spiritual spirituality of Mormonism and how she has grown and moved through that and now she does Akashic Record readings and so we're going to learn a little bit more about her journey and her transformation through spirituality. So I'd like for you all to meet Kara. Hello. Tell you a Thank little you. bit about her. Thank you for having me, Amy. This is really fun to talk to you today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for being on. I appreciate it. So tell, tell us a little bit about growing up in, you know, childhood faith of Mormonism and what that was like for you and kind of where you're at now. Yeah. So background history. Yeah, of course. On both sides of my family, my mom and my dad, I'm a seventh generation Mormon pioneer, I like to claim and say. <laughs> So I have ancestors who joined the Mormon church back in the 1840s Wow! and came across with the pioneers, settled in Utah, and that's where my roots are. I have most of my family is still there. So I was born a Mormon, raised a Mormon, and pretty much my entire life, I was invested in the theology and the doctrine and it was truth to me with a capital T. <laughs> That's and yeah, and then one day it just kind of crumbled. I wasn't expecting it. It wasn't something that I wanted to have crumble under me. Of course, as I got older in teenage, mid twenties, early thirties, I had some lingering questions back of my mind doubts, just, just a few, you know, things here and there that didn't really sit right always, but I certainly wasn't actively trying to leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then in 2013, there was a campaign in the church for women to hold the priesthood. Mm. Um, because right now, as it stands, it's only for men. Men are, um, when they're 12 years old, they're, um, they're given the keys of the priesthood and women are told it's only for men. And, you know, they're, they're told there's other ways you can have the priesthood, but not directly. You cannot directly have this power of God. And then in 2014, there was a group of women who were actively campaigning to hold the priesthood, just like the men do in the Mormon church. And yeah, I, and, and again, I wasn't, I wasn't actively involved in this campaign. Um, I, I just, I had, I had four kids. I just, I was doing my job as a Mormon woman of raising my family, keeping my, you know, staying in my lane. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was reading in the newspaper one morning about a protest that these women were doing around the conference center is where Mormons gather to have their meetings in Salt Lake. And as I was just reading the story with no objective opinion about it at all, mm -hmm. I had this overwhelming sense of 
peace, comfort, love. And the voice in my heart said, Kara, what these women are doing is not wrong. Wow. And that just stopped me in my tracks mm. because um, that, same, that feeling, that, that emotion, that like love and that wash over of like these women are not doing anything wrong. That was the same feeling I had been taught to look for my whole life. Mm -hmm. If I'm following God's will, if I'm doing the right thing, this is how you're going to feel. So that kind of turned my world upside down that, yeah, that solo afternoon in my kitchen, <laughs> my, my kids were napping. Like, I'll never forget it. I just remember that moment so well. And from there that sent me on this, you know, I, you, I say down the rabbit hole, like, like we like to say of curiosity and it sent me on a different path with, with what my spiritual journey was going to be. And so it took a couple of years of intense investigation and research. And I just got really, really curious mm -hmm. about what my roots were, the, the roots of Mormonism. Um, I even went way far back of the roots of the priesthood of Christ. I really tried to do some serious research. And so I just was spinning my wheels about who am I? What, you know, just all these big questions. And then so you didn't go forward. into lightly then. No, no, this was, I mean, it was serious because I, I, as a Mormon, there's so much doctrine tied up with what's going to happen in the next life. Mm -hmm. And if I was not going to live the same life that my family was living, then we weren't going to spend eternity together. Mm. That's really heavy. Yeah. So this wasn't, this wasn't a light investigation of like, Oh, let's see. Like this was, a, it was a lot of tears. It was a lot of, I, I felt very lonely because there was also a lot of fear tied up with these questions of even questioning and doubting. You're not supposed to, you know, mm -hmm. you're supposed to just pray, read your scriptures, go to church, and then you're on the right track. And I was doing those things, but what was this other voice of peace, love, comfort, just that was telling me, mm, you got to go over down this road instead. What did your family say? How would, how did they react? So it's been, you know, that was 2013 and here we are in 2021. And I, I have not really had a sit down conversation mm -hmm. at this point. A lot of them understand that I am definitely living an alternative spiritual lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> they know that at this point, but yeah. I, I didn't really sit down ever and say, Hey, this is what I'm going through. And that was, it was for a couple of reasons. I, I, I understand now, first of all, I know I didn't really have to, 
because I recognize that my own spiritual journey is my own. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I really didn't owe an explanation to anyone. If, yes. if you want to put it in that light Yes. and putting O in quotation marks. Um, but at the, on the other hand, this idea that I told you that this doctrine of the afterlife, if we don't live the same lifestyle, then we're not going to live together. I knew how painful that would be for my family to process. Um, and so I also didn't want to invite that pain into their life, if that makes any sense. So it was overcome that. I mean, do you still believe that you won't see them in the afterlife or what are your beliefs on that now? Um, I don't believe that. No, I, I definitely believe that I will still be able to have relationships with these amazing, beautiful people in my life when this, when this particular life is over. So no, I don't, I don't think that we're going to be cut off or not see each other. I definitely believe our relationships are going to continue. And how I, how I deal with that now, I, I have a lot, I I try to, I try to view our current relationships together with a lot of love and respect. Mm -hmm. It's important for me that what they're choosing to do with, with their path to God is given just as much respect, honor, and love as I want with my path to God. That's awesome. I, I don't know if it's the perfect way to go about it. <laughs> if, cause I mean, it, is it healthy to like not ever talk about it? I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but just currently that's kind of where we're at is they, they kind of know, but we also haven't like sat down and been like, okay, this is what I believe. What do you think? There may come an opportunity one day when that will will pre- pre- present itself and have an opportunity to share. Yeah. I mean, maybe when they listen to this podcast. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your novel that you have that you've been working on. I'm oh, curious yes. to hear about that. I would love to. So this came about during my years of research and investigation into my history and roots. I came across some biographies of some um, ancestresses in my life, some great, 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 great grandmothers. And of course, along with it came biographies of their husbands. And I noticed, I opened up a biography of one of my grandmothers and she had maybe eight paragraphs Oh, wow. She died when she was 34. She, she gave birth to seven children. Mm-hmm. Two of them lived to adulthood. She was buried in an unmarked grave in a desolate desert town in Utah. The biographer that wrote these eight paragraphs, there was something in there about pioneer life was hard for some women. And I just kind of set it aside and was like, okay, hmm. And then I went to read her husband's biography and he lived longer. He, he died, I think in his late seventies or eighties and he had pages and pages and pages and stalwart pioneer, righteous leader. Like he just had just flourishing 
-hmm. And I'm looking at her biography and I'm looking at his biography and I can read between the lines on her biography of being, being a mother myself Mm -hmm. and just seeing where she gave birth to seven kids to like, I, there was just more to her story than these eight paragraphs. So I, I went down again, another rabbit hole of research and <laughs> I started to investigate and, and look into what her life was like, where she lived. And even though she didn't have any journals or she didn't have a lot of history written about her, I was able to find history about the time of where she lived. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to form a story using her life sketch my imagination, my intuition, of course, mm-hmm. I, I tapped a lot into my own intuition about what her life would have been like and the trials, the joys, the struggles, the heartache, the wonderment she might've experienced. And I just started to pen her story wow. of, uh, of her life. And also she had a sister who died when she was 16 in childbirth, giving birth to twins, a a polygamous wife married to a man 18 years older than her. Wow. So that that was a huge part of my investigation of looking into Mormon polygamy and the history of it and the effects it had on families and women of the day and and really the, the effects that it still has today, the reverberations through history that it's had on Mormon women today is something that is still on my heart and mind and was part of my spiritual journey of processing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, th- so doing that research and writing that story, I was very surprised at how healing it was to my transformation of where I am now, because when I, was stepping away from Mormonism and out of Mormonism. Like I said earlier, it was a lot of pain and loss and grief, but by returning to my roots and telling her story, it became this really healing balm Mm -hmm. that I was able to pen something that, that would have meant something to her because spoiler alert, I didn't, <laughs> I wrote a different ending. I wrote a different ending than to how she actually died. I, I wrote something totally different. I love it. And so it just gave me this extra boost of sovereignty and autonomy over my own life mm-hmm. that I have complete control over my spiritual progress and path and connection to God. It's up to me. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's one of the things I'm learning through my spiritual journey is that our connection to God is completely up to us. And being raised in the Episcopal church, there's always somebody that we had to go to, I guess, in order to a middleman. Yes. To access God and knowing that God is within and God is everywhere and God is, God is, it's 
just is, is for mm-hmm. me, that was the biggest realization that I could access God on my own. It wasn't in the Bible. It wasn't, I didn't have to understand the Bible. I didn't have to understand anything. I just had to be, if that makes any sense at all. Yes. <laughs> no, I am a hundred percent with you. Yes. That, that access without having to get permission or authority or, you know, that middleman was, was a huge part of my transformation as well. Understanding that I didn't need someone else to tell me what the steps were or if I was worthy Mm -hmm. or, or any of that. Yeah. I love that. And that God wasn't some big man in the sky shooting down (laughs) arrows of judgment anymore it was it wasn't like that for me my relationship to god i actually call him papa (laughs) me is just just papa so and it's not really a he or she or it's just papa (laughs) yeah oh that's great i love that yeah and a lot of people would would think that that was sacrilegious and uh, you're not supposed to do that. And I know in the Catholic church, that's, that's, that's definitely frowned upon. And I know in a lot of religions it's frowned upon, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of, and I don't say that in a mean way either, because there's a lot of ritual that goes behind that. But for me, God is so much more accessible than what I used to think. Yes. Yeah. I had a big transformation about my idea of God as well because the, the, the Mormon God, it, you know, when, when we're taught to pray, it's heavenly father, it's these, it's these pronouns, the, thou, you know, very formal, the, the doctrine and theology is we do have a heavenly mother, but we're not really supposed to talk about her because she's really sacred and special. And that never sat right with me. Mm-hmm. It just was something that I just didn't understand because, mm-hmm. because I love the relationship I have with my earthly mother. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to imagine her in the other room and, and me having to go to my dad and say, can I talk to mom? And he says, well, why don't you tell me? And then I'll tell her because she's very special. So I don't want to bring her out. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. as, a, as a kid, that, that was the image that was in my head. I just couldn't put the two together of how important my relationship was with my mother, but my heavenly mother, mm, she's too special. So we're not going to talk about her. Yeah. So when I was able to feel this freedom of, of exploring my connection to God, the idea of a heavenly mother and the feminine divine just kept coming and just washing over me and just all kinds of ideas and signs and guideposts about this divine feminine and idea of God, the mother. It's, it's been a huge part of where I am now is embracing this idea of a heavenly mother and the feminine divine and how powerful that that is for me. Well, they say we're coming into the Aquarian age and it's all mm-hmm. about divine feminine coming in. And so I, I love that. I really do. Do you receive any or have you received any 
I guess, backlash or criticism for referring to God as the divine feminine or the divine mother. I know for some people that might be a little hard to, to accept because it is, has been such a masculine image. Sure. Okay. So, so truth time, I, <laughs> here we go. So me talking to you today is not something I've been doing for years. I, I have not mm-hmm. talked about my story to a lot of people. Well, there's a, awesome. yeah, there's a very small handful of people in my life that, that actually know my, the genesis of my story, where I started, where I am. So having this conversation and talking about God, the mother, I can't say that I've received a lot of backlash because I, I haven't really been very out loud and vocal about it. There, there was one time I remember having a conversation with some girlfriends. We were like, had a, a, a fun retreat one weekend all together. And it was in a place when I, it, it felt relatively safe. And I brought up the idea of, of heavenly mother and we were in a, a casual conversation and one of my friends immediately got tense and tight. She was like, well, we're, we're not supposed to talk about her. And it just looked like, like, yeah, suddenly I was not safe and I felt shut down and I felt afraid. And so I didn't, I didn't talk about it back then when I had these questions and lingering ideas and things I wanted to explore because when I did, you know, just that one time, it was not a safe place to do it. And I just felt very reprimanded, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but, but now I, 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 I can honestly say, I don't know yet if there's, if there's, you know, the time that I do bring it up, like on my Instagram account, when I, when I refer to God as she, um, there's been very little backlash about it or, you know, yeah. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, thank you for using butterfly kisses as your platform to kind of <laughs> come out of the closet, I guess. I'm I know. coming out of the closet myself. So. <laughs> Oh, we're, we're all doing it together. I think that's part of the the, the magic of, mm-hmm. of of the the time that we're living in now is that we can talk about these things, and it's you know people's spiritual journey is all different yet the same, mm-hmm. and our awakening is so special and so magical that it but it's also very difficult when we go through it because we're stepping outside of what we're comfortable with and you know I've talked on other podcasts about the reason why I call this butterfly kisses is the spiritual transformation or the transformation that the caterpillar goes through to become the butterfly Mm -hmm. you know and it's it goes from this little insect that's used to being this insect and you know going about its life doing its thing and then it goes into this cocoon and becomes goo and (laughs) you know it's a hard transformational process to physically go through it and when you're stepping outside of being born and raised seventh generation mormonism into hearing a voice that tells you to do something or that feels so real 
and mm-hmm. you actually have the courage to step out and do that I mean that takes a lot of strength and courage so thank you for doing that and for sharing your story with us about that too oh but thank you thank you for the platform I can you can, can you share with us though just a little bit about what it's like for you with fear of judgment of, of surrounding this what people might think your closest family and friends if they do watch this podcast and hear your story what what would you say to them sure i one thing i can say with complete conviction is i've never doubted the sincere love that my family has for me and i and i have had individual family members reach out to me and and let me know that like hey i just want you to know that even though we're on different paths, I love you no matter what. So, you know, just the idea that I, that I'm unloved, like that's never been a question. I think I'm, I feel very fortunate because that's not always the case with a lot of Mormons that decide to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the fear that comes up in their family's lives of, you know, where this person's life is going to go now or, or whatever it is. Like I, I know that it's not everyone's experience that they're still wrapped up in love, even if they choose a different path. So I'm grateful for that. The fear part for me and what I'm trying to get past, you mentioned the judgment. There's some really heavy rhetoric within Mormonism about being deceived by Satan. Mm. There's a scripture in the Mormons have the doctrine and covenants, which is a Mormon scripture and in, in there, there's a scripture about, I believe the wording says, even the very elect will be deceived mm. of just this idea that, you know, you never know who's going who's, who's gonna to be deceived by the devil. It could be someone that you thought was really righteous and upstanding. And so just with that idea floating around in the in the, you know, in, in the ethers of Mormonism, <laughs> in the atmosphere of Mormonism, just, just knowing that maybe they would never say it to your face, but that was something we were taught. And so just knowing that that's out there, yeah. you don't know who is looking at you with a smiley face, but inside they're like, oh, led away by the devil. She was a very elect and now she's not. So that's part of where that fear of judgment comes from is not, not knowing who is actually thinking that of you. Mm-hmm. How do you move past that? Yeah, that's a great question because you need a lot of confidence and belief that you are light and that you are God and you are divine, no matter what anyone else thinks, no matter their own outlook, dogma, theology, no matter what they're thinking of you, you have to already know that you're worthy and that you're capable of carrying that divine light around you inside all day long, no matter what anyone other, other beliefs about you are. It's not easy, Yeah, but... I think another thing that helps me is this, this idea of love, how powerful that's been for me. When 
everything I believed about Mormonism burned to the ground. And I was kind of sifting through the ashes to decide like what, what's left, like what's still standing. That was one of the major pillars that love never dies. God is loving. In fact, my capacity to love grew like, you know, the, the Grinch, when, <laughs> when you see his heart, go, I, I've literally felt that energetic shift in my heart space. And when I really understood that there's more than one way to access God, and there's more than one way to go down the spiritual path of, of connecting and, um, and being with God, my own capacity to love my fellow man, to love my neighbor, it, it grew a hundredfold. I was just overwhelmed with how much God opened my heart and mind to being able to love. So I, I extend that, I practice that, and I extend that to these people in my life who I, I don't know for sure, but you know, who I might think are judging me. Oh, like I, I try to practice that <laughs> extension of love of we are all of God. Mm -hmm. And it helps kind of shield whatever I might take in internally. That's awesome. We are of God. That is definitely true. I believe that we're all together. We're all one. Mm -hmm. You also do Akashic Record readings. I do. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about that and what you do there? Yes, I would love to. This, this just came about, again, in my years of just kind of exploring and investigating and feeling out my own path to God. I was I was introduced to the idea of Akashic Records through a podcast I was listening to. And at the time, it just washed right over me. It was like in one ear, out the other. Mm -hmm. it, I was like, oh, that's not for me because it didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And then that same podcast was in my queue like six months later. And it just, it kind of came up after an, another one. I, I listened to a lot of podcasting. So <laughs> it seems to be a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> so this this podcast that was just kind of over my head and, and right through my ears it came up again and this time I was listening to the explanation of what they were how they worked and something inside me just clicked like mm -hmm. I was actually amazed like wait is this the same podcast it just was so clear and it felt so concise and it felt for me mm -hmm. that, that in, in that moment so from there I just decided to look into it and I read some books and I did my own research and study and I did my own practice and I just began to practice reading the records wow um, on, on my own mm -hmm. <laughs> which I, I think is an, yeah I think it's an important part of my story personally just because I I did have such an attachment to someone else giving me permission mm -hmm. to be with God, to talk to God, to go be in this room so you can receive the, the rights and ordinances from God. Like it, it was important that I was able to do this without anyone else's say so permission mm -hmm. certificate. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, that's something I, I try to relate to my clients whenever I do 
spiritual work with my clients, I, I really like to leave them with a sense of you have the power. I'm going to help you with some tools, guidance, direction, happy to. But at the end of the day, you have your own power to do these things and to access God and to talk to God and get your own guidance and direction. That's always been something that's been just kind of a steady theme for me. We are the divine creators of our own experience. That's what I... I believe and we, we, oh, create I love own, that. we create our own experience and we have our own way of doing things, which brings a lot of responsibility. True. We can't blame anybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, tell people how they can find you. Where can they find you at on Facebook? And how can they find, you know, find out about getting a reading from you and yeah, sure. I am on Instagram. My handle is kara.writer.healer. So you can find me on there. And on Facebook, I I think it's just Kara, Kara Writer Healer. Like if you search Facebook and type in Kara Writer Healer, I'm pretty sure I'll come up. <laughs> I'm not there as often as I am on Instagram, but it's another way you can yeah, get a hold of me. On the page here, it says, Facebook slash Kara Writer Healer. Okay, great. Yes. I'll have a link to all of this also in the show notes as well. Yeah. Come, come say hi, ask me questions, say hello. I love it. I love the, the little community that we have forming in our own little corner of the internet. It's lovely. <laughs> well, one question I'm asking all of my guests, because I love hearing their responses is if you could talk to one person either dead or alive, on the park bench for one hour, what would you talk about and why? Wow. I know. I always blindsize people with this one, sir. <laughs> That's a great question. I love to hear their responses because we get some interesting people. Hmm. You know who just popped into my mind? I'm, I'm sure I could come up with a list of 50 people given the time, but oh, yeah. The first person that popped into my mind is Mother Teresa. Ooh, she's a good one. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I, so she was, I don't think she's officially canonized yet, but she was, is it beatified? I'm sorry. I don't know yeah. the, how to pronounce that. I, if, if we're any um, Catholic listeners, I'm sorry if I ruined that word. But, <laughs> you know, after she died, I think of six years after her death, they, they started the process mm -hmm. of her becoming a saint. Yes. Shortly after that, some of her journals were uncovered mm -hmm. from when she was younger, I think in her twenties and thirties, maybe mm -hmm. I can't remember how old she was, but in her journals, she wrote about her doubts about her faith in God. Wow. And she wrote to, and then, and I think she wrote letters to, I think there were some letters she sent about how she didn't know she felt God anymore in her life. <laughs> and this was, this, this was when she was my age. <laughs> yeah. She went on to live this life of service. And, you know, here she is going to be canonized for taking care of the poor and the needy. 
And you just would never know, Mother Teresa, you would never know that this woman had doubts and questioned the origins of her faith. That is pretty awesome. So I would love to sit with her and I would love to talk to her about what, what she was feeling when she wrote those letters and if she felt safe and if this, and if what, what she was, you know, feeling when she had these journal entries and, and how did she get from there to becoming this sanctified woman of God, this nun that everyone looks to as an example of service and devotion. And did she carry those doubts with her her whole life? Or I, I don't know. I just would love to sit with her, talk with her. Those are some really good questions. Oh, I wish I could have her on the podcast and ask those questions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> See, I love asking that question because I always get some really interesting answers. And that's probably one of the best answers so far. I really. Oh, I would love to sit with her. Yeah, that yeah, would be uh, amazing. Amazing. Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining us today. And I appreciate the time and for you being so willing to tell your story and for being so honest and loving and it's so transparent. Oh, oh, Amy, thank you for having me. This has been a joy and you've been a wonderful, a wonderful, safe, safe place to tell my story. I was happy to do it. Well, good. I'm glad I could be that safe place though. Thank you again. And everyone, if you will reach out to Kara, she can be found like, a, like she said on Instagram at kara.writer.healer and Facebook at Kara Writer Healer. And she's also on Clubhouse at Kara D. Gale. So yes. follow her on Clubhouse as well. And she also has a personal website, kara-geller.com. And I will have all of that on the um, podcast notes as well. So Thank you again, Kara, and I appreciate your time today. You're welcome, and thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, A Journey of Spiritual Transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also join me on the Facebook page at Butterfly Kisses Podcast. Here we can continue the conversations we've been discussing on these podcasts, and you can also ask questions of our guests as well. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me on the Facebook page, or you can do so by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you, and remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.